This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I'm going to begin by airing a show from 1948, the same year that long-playing records, Velcro, and transistor radios came on the market. And if you had one of those radios, you might be just tuned in to Inner Sanctum to hear the scary story of the Death Demon. Inner Sanctum Mysteries Brought to you by Bromo Seltzer. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host inviting you through the gory portals of the squeaking door for another soiree with some super-duper supernatural personalities. And if you've never met a super-duper supernatural personality, aren't you the lucky one? Because they're devitalized people, usually somewhat dead, with transparent complexions and morbid imaginations. Would you like to become one? You won't have to worry about the high cost of living. And you'll never have to worry about dying, because once you're dead, that little matter will take care of itself. <laughs> but, uh, why don't I become one? I've got news for you. I am. <laughs> Tonight's Inner Sanctum Mystery, Death Demon, was written by Milton Lewis and stars Everett Sloan in the role of Howard with Anne Seymour as Gilda and is presented by the Emerson Drug Company of Baltimore, Maryland, whose registered pharmacist compound Bromo Seltzer, the headache product that fights headache three ways. Bromo Seltzer helps the pain of a headache quickly and pleasantly and also helps the jittery nerves and stomach upset that may accompany a headache. No wonder in a recent representative nationwide survey, druggists report that of all headache products dispensed at their fountains, the overwhelming favorite is Bromo Seltzer. All right, friend. Let's stop all this ghoulishness and let's get grim. Hmm? Now remember our rule. Don't jump out of the window unless it's open. <laughs> Ready now. Then listen as Howard Ryan tells us his strange story. The wind was rising when I returned to Greystone Farms late that night. 
The house with its Victorian gables and towers looked like a clawing hand reaching into the scudding clouds. I went directly to my room, even though the living room was lit up. I had no desire to see my stepmother or the man she had married. The moment I got into my room and turned on the light, I gasped. My things had been disturbed. Many of them were gone. I ran down to the living room. Come in, Howard. We want to talk to you. I looked at this young woman, not more than ten years older than myself, whom I called mother. In the flickering firelight, she looked more beautiful than ever. But he was there, too. And I felt his voice cut across the room. You needn't stare at her like that, Howard. She didn't take those things out of your room. Who did, sir? I did. Please stop this absurd trick of calling me sir. Do you like it or not? I'm your stepfather. I'm sorry, sir, but my manner of addressing you is the politest I could think of. Please, Howard. Where are the things you took out of my room, sir? Here. You had no right to take them. I told him to. You? For your own good, Howard. We were worried about you. Were you really? You've been ill. You know what the doctor said. What we found in your room justified all our fears. How long have you been reading these... these horrid books? Ever since my father was murdered. What do you expect to get out of them? Perhaps, sir. I expected to find some way of reaching my father. You know that's nonsense. Is it? Books on witchcraft, necromancy, morbid rubbish. I gave you credit for more intelligence, Howard. This brooding about your father might destroy your mind. And why should you care about that, mother? Because, because, well, I'm fond of you, Howard. I'm not your real mother, I know, but I tried to be one to you when your father was alive. I want to help you now. Help? Then why don't you try to find out who murdered my father two years ago? The police are doing everything they can. You think I've stopped trying? Yes, Mother. I don't believe you even care who murdered your former husband. All you care about is him. Now, see here, Howard. It's true. I know it. I'm not a fool. The only reason you permit me to stay in this house is because my father's will compels you to take care of me. Or you wouldn't have a penny of income. Howard, you're hysterical. Can't you see what these books have done to you? Perhaps you'd like to see what they've done for me, sir. What are you talking about? This morbid nonsense. What if I tell you that some of those things are true? They can't be. Someday I'll be able to talk to my father and find out who murdered him in his sleep. Perhaps I might be able to do it right now. Right now? You're frightened? You wouldn't like to see him again. This man you loved so deeply that you remarried a year after his death. Stop it, Howard. Stop it. And you're frightened too, aren't you, sir? And with good reason. I don't think you'd care to meet this man whose wife you stole. Howard! Would you like to see him? I'm not afraid. Then perhaps... I shall make him appear. What are you saying, Howard? Do you know where I was all day, Mother? At my father's grave. And look, this earth. I brought some of it back. This earth that's now mingled with his remains. Listen. That's Dane. My father's dog. Animals know when the dead are near. This time it will work, I'm sure. The signs are right. 
What are you going to do? Throw this earth into the fire and follow an ancient ritual to set loose the chained spirits of the dead. There! How did you see how the flames leap up, Mother? The lightning struck that tree and knocked a branch through the window. You're wrong. It's my father. Father! Where are you? They didn't believe me, but I knew that at that moment my father came back to this earth. They were terrified, both of them, though they tried not to show it. That night I went to my room, listened to the storm howl itself out, but there was no further sign of my father. I must have slept, perhaps dreamed, because I heard a voice I hadn't heard in two years. I recognized it, still thick with the accent he had acquired from his boyhood in Europe. My son, my son, wake up and find the person who murdered me. Wake up, my son, wake up. The next thing I knew, I was rubbing my eyes. My room was full of mist, tinted a strange yellow gold by the murky moonlight that filtered through the windows. My father's dog, Dane, was tugging at my leg. He was trying to lead me out of the room. I followed him through the halls of that huge silent house to my father's study. It had been locked up since he died, and no one ever used it since. But when I tried to handle this night... The door opened, as though being pulled by some unknown force. Mist and moonlight crept into the study, lit the dust and cobwebs and shadowy furnishings with an eerie light. And then something crashed. A broken vase with a tiny key among its fragments lay on the floor. It might have been Dane who knocked over that vase, but I don't think so. I picked up the key. The moment I had it in my hand, I remembered a scene from my childhood. I had secretly observed my father remove a book from one of the cases, take out this tiny key and open a hidden panel in the bookcase. Like a man in a dream, I repeated the action. I removed the book, and there was the secret panel. I opened it with the key. There was nothing in it. But a few large notebooks. I took them out, opened one, and by the flickering yellow light of my match, my father came back to me. In this journal, I record thoughts that if they remain unexpressed, might drive me mad. I know now that my wife, Gilda, is seeing another man. I know his name, Dale Barton. Howard! Howard, open the door! Please! What do you want, Mother? Just to see you. I've been worried about you. Really? Why? You've been locked in this room for the last two days. Here, I have brought you some food. Thank you. Where is your husband? He had to drive to town. 
Howard, you can't go on like this. You love him very much, don't you? I wouldn't have married him if I didn't. You love him more than you love my father? Please, there's no point in discussing this. Your father's dead, and that's all past. Not quite dead. In fact, he's very close to us at this moment. Close? Yes. So close that he can reach out and touch you. Howard, let go of my hand. You don't believe me, Mother. This is all nonsense. Is it? What would you do if I told you that my father is holding your hand this very minute? What would you do if I told you that he has taken possession of my body? Howard, you're ill. You don't know what you're saying. Did you know Dale Barton before my father was murdered? No. I only met him after your father died. You lie. That, that's his voice. You have been seeing Dale Barton for months. I know. I followed you. No. No. I talked to you about it the day before I died. You swore he meant nothing to you. Let go of me. Let go. Did you kill me? No. No. Answer me. Did you murder me? You once said you hated me. Let go of me. Please. You said you loved me even on the day I was murdered. You're hurting me. Did you murder me? Was it because of him? Tell me. Help me. He's going to murder me. Help me, someone. Oh, you crazy fool. What's going on here? Dale, help me. He wants to kill me. Howard, let go. No. He's mine. No. Oh! Dale! Oh, Dale! Come, Gilda. I'll take you out of here. He led her out of the room while I lay on the floor. Had she murdered my father? Had he? I knew at last I had the means of finding out. There were thick vines outside my window, and late that night, as I had often done when I was a boy, I carefully, quietly climbed down them, stopping at a point outside their window. I clung to the wall like a bat, and I heard them talking. Did you hear his voice? You don't actually believe. I don't know what to believe. He looks so much like his father. When he sees me, he spoke to me. It was his father. Julia, you're being foolish about this. Am I? On the day William was murdered, Howard was away at college. How could he have known what we talked about? And he did know. That boy seemed to know every word. That boy, or is he his father? Fielder, do you know what you're saying? Yes, this isn't an ordinary thing. There's nothing you can do about it. Oh, yes, there is. I climbed back to my room to think. I dared not go to sleep because I knew my father had been murdered in his sleep. And if they had murdered him, they'd certainly have an excellent reason to kill me. I thought of running away, but then I would never find out. I know now why I couldn't run away. My father within me was holding me there. I lay down on my bed to rest. And then suddenly, I found myself dreaming. Dreaming that a pair of powerful hands were clutching at my throat. I struggled, gasped for breath, tried to scream. I was being murdered in my sleep just as my father was. I tore at those iron fingers, clawed at those hands that were cutting off my life. And then I opened my eyes and discovered that it was not a nightmare. I hadn't been dreaming. It was real. I was being murdered. 
Listening to Inner Sanctum, brought to you by. <laughs> right now, after all the excitement of the Fourth of July, I'll bet lots of people have holiday headaches. If you're one of those unhappy folks, I'll tell you how to get fast headache help. Just take a spark, sparkling, refreshing glass of Bromo Seltzer. You'll find that Bromo Seltzer fights headache three ways fast. First, Bromo Seltzer helps the pain of a headache and does it quickly and pleasantly. Second, Bromo Seltzer helps calm, jumpy, jangled nerves. Third, Bromo Seltzer helps soothe an upset stomach. And since stomach upset and jittery nerves may team up with an ordinary headache, it makes a lot of sense to insist on Bromo Seltzer, the headache help that's famous for fighting headache three ways. Bromo Seltzer is a favorite help all year round because it's so refreshing and pleasant tasting. Ask at your druggist's fountain or counter for speedy, economical... <laughs> well, friends, your breathing spell is over. Now it's time to lose your breath again, so let's get back to our story. Now, what did we do with the call? Oh, yes. We were interrupted while we were making one. And if you remember, the corpse belonged to Howard Ryan, the young man who was telling us this story. He had just discovered that his dream had come true, and someone was choking him to death. That's a nice way to wake up from sleep, isn't it? But let's have Howard tell us what happened. My eyes focused through the haze... And I recognized Dale, my stepfather. They were his hands that were around my neck. Suddenly I heard Dale bark. And the door flew open and like a writhing cannon shell, the dog flew through the air at the throat of my stepfather. The moment later I felt his hands release me as he shouted. Stop him! Come on, Howard! He's killing me! I can't get... For a moment I did nothing. I knew I wanted him to die. But I still wasn't sure if he had killed my father. I suppose I was a fool, but I yelled... Dane! Stop it! Down, Dane! Down! Here, Dane! Come here! What? Who opened the door? I want to get out of here. Not yet. Why? Are you going to turn that dog loose on me again? Perhaps. You want to kill me? You tried to kill me. Kill you? Have you lost your mind completely? I woke up with your hands around my throat. You're insane! I was trying to pick you up from the floor. You're lying! I'm not! I heard you moaning and screaming, and I came up to see what was wrong. I found you on the floor. You were having a nightmare. Was I? Of course. Why should I want to kill you? Because I may find out how you murdered my father. What he said could have been true. I had had little sleep for a long time, and his attack on me could have been a nightmare. I could never be certain. But to protect myself, I kept a gun with me at all times. I read and reread the journals of my father, which I had found. More and more often, it was his voice that came out of my mouth, his thoughts that filled my mind. And then came the night. When I found out the truth, 
Good evening, Art. What are you doing in my room, sir? I came to have a talk with you. Dane! Dane! There's no use calling for your dog. You'll never see him again. What did you do with him? What should have been done long ago. What? What have you got there? A knife. It's quite sharp. Quite suited to the purpose I intended for. You came to kill me. Did my mother put you up to this? No. As a matter of fact, your stepmother is in town right now. We two are quite alone. I see. You've always hated me, haven't you, Howard? Yes, sir. I suppose you can't help it. Your stepmother's a very beautiful woman. She has nothing to do with us. Makes very little difference. The fact of the matter is that you become dangerously psychopathic. I want you to know that I've taken steps to have you confined. Oh, so that's the game, sir. You're going to kill me and tell the authorities you were protecting yourself from a homicidal maniac. I'm glad you're aware of your disadvantages. But you're not aware of yours. A gun. Did you murder my father? Are you going to... Did you kill me? Who? Who's speaking? Answer me. Did you murder me? Who are you? What are you? Answer me. If I'll answer you, I'll kill you. Don't. Oh. Oh. Speak before you die. Did you murder me in my sleep? I have got to know. Now. Murder you. Did you... Did you? But he never spoke again. My father, using my body, had murdered him. Howard, have you seen Dale? Yes, Mother. Where is he? Come in. He's in here. Howard, you... You murdered him? Yes, when he tried to throw that knife at me, you see he still has it in his hand. Howard! Don't! Try to get away. Let me out of here. No, Mother. And don't call me Mother. You're no son of mine. You're a murderer. Yes, Mother, but less of a murderer than you are. At least I killed in self-defense. Not when my victim was asleep, helpless, and unaware of danger. Let me out of here. No, you're going to stay. Yes, this gun. The same gun I used to murder your husband. Stay just where you are. Why? Because I want you to see this man who succeeded my father. This creature whom you love. Look at him there, mother. Twisted grotesquely into the whining coward he proved himself to be in death. Look at him. This is the man you gave up my father for. This is the man you committed murder for. Let me go. Now look. This is the man who used his last breath to betray you. Betray me? Yes. How? He said that you killed my father. I? Yes. It's a lie. Is it, Gilda? William. Is it? Yes, I... I didn't murder you. I mean to know the truth. Do not think this is some trick played by my son... I am William. I know things which only you and I in all the world know. Stop it. Tell me the truth. Don't point that gun at me. Your only chance is to tell me the truth. Will you... Will you let me live? It will depend on what you tell me. Then why should I tell you? Because I am your husband, who once loved and trusted you, Vilda. Tell me. Tell me now, or you will die. Very well. I... 
I did it. I committed the murder. That's what you wanted to hear, is it? That's what you wanted me to tell you, is it? It is what I wanted to know. What are you going to do? What do you think I should do? Let, let me live. I've loved you. I've, I've always loved you. It, it wasn't my fault. He put me up to it. Now that he's dead, I, I realize what I've done. Do you? Yes. Let me live. Let me live. Perhaps I shall, Mother. Howard. Oh, you. You understand, don't you? It's just as it happened with you and your father. So it happened with Dale and myself. You. You won't do anything to me, will you? I'm not your real mother, I know, but, but I have loved you, Howard. You know I've loved you. And I still love you. Tell me one thing. Was he as guilty as you? Yes. Yes, it, it was really all his fault. Then come with me, Gilda. We're going to the police. And that's what happened, Inspector. She finally confessed. And I brought her here. Have you anything to say, ma'am? Yes, Inspector. Well? Everything I told my stepson, every word of my confession was a lie. Mother! This boy's insane. He's been out of his mind ever since his father was murdered. I only made that confession to humor him and save my life. And I can prove what I say. More than one doctor has found him unbalanced. I believe you, ma'am. Inspector, you... You... You can't! This woman murdered my father! She told me! We know who murdered your father, son. It was not this woman. I picked up a man yesterday. He confessed, gave us all the details. They all checked with the evidence. His name is Ralph Stone, criminal with a long record. And he murdered your father for money. Then, then it, it wasn't my mother. No, it wasn't your stepmother, no. But it was her husband, Dale Burton. We learned that he hired this Ralph Stone to commit the murder. Then I was right. My father knew what he was doing when he made me pull that trigger. I wonder, son... Because you're under arrest for murder. I kept telling them that I didn't murder Dale Barton. I didn't pull that trigger. It, it was my father who murdered him. They don't believe me. But it has to be right, you see. How could father have known Dale was guilty without supernatural knowledge? My father still lives inside of me. And sometimes he talks. <laughs> well, friends, there's nothing wrong with little old Howard. Just a little bit nuts, but who isn't? Hmm? And how'd you like someone to possess you someday? Just think, you could lead a double life for the price of a single. In fact, you may be able to save money because, as everybody knows, two can live cheaper than one. Which brings us to the moral of tonight's story, taken from the croonings of Nature Girl, who warbles, Don't drop dead except in bed, otherwise you can break your head. <laughs>
It's common knowledge, I suppose, that jittery nerves can help to cause a miserable headache. And it's almost as well known, I think, that bromo seltzer can help a headache in short order, even when that headache is accompanied by jangled nerves or stomach upset. Because bromo seltzer not only helps the headache, but helps calm the jumpy nerves and stomach upset at the same time. The makers of Bromo Seltzer have just received a letter from Mrs. Helen A. Haas of Mount Vernon, New York, in which she said, I've used Bromo Seltzer many times. As director of a children's dramatic school, many times jumpy nerves bring on a headache. But thanks to your fine product, a headache no longer creates a problem. Thank you, Mrs. Helen Haas. You pointed out once again what millions of smart men and women know. Bromo Seltzer fights a headache quickly and helps calm jumpy nerves, too. What's more, it's so pleasant-tasting, it's actually refreshing. Caution, use only as directed. If headaches persist or recur, see your doctor. But for ordinary headaches... Fight! Headache! Three ways! Well... It's time to close that squeaking door for another seven-day rest. Until next week at this time, when Bromo Seltzer brings you another Inner Sanctum Mystery, directed by Hyman Brown. Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is Report for a Corpse, by Henry Kane. Next week's tale is titled, Death is a Magician. A guy loses his girl, loses his mind and meets a magician named Marco. Now, Marco makes an easy mark of our hero, and in turn, our hero uses Marco for target practice in a marathon murder. Marco, you see, just won't stay dead. (laughs) Sean Scramble. Cheers next Monday, friends, and we guarantee to scramble you some, too. Until then. Good night. Pleasant dreams. (laughs) This is Dwight Weist inviting you to tune in again next Monday at the same time to Inner Sanctum, which is brought to you for your entertainment every Monday right through the summer by... (laughs) Promise, Alter, promise, Alter, promise. Stay tuned for The Life of Riley, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to put William Bendix to work as a riveter in an aircraft plant. However, he's a bit under the weather. Hmm, could it be tonsillitis? Hey, Riley. Yeah. What'll you have? Have blue ribbon, what else? Blue you have perhaps blue ribbon internationally famous perhaps blue ribbon finest beer served anywhere proudly presents the life of riley starring william bendix as riley <laughs> No one can say that Chester A. Riley isn't a kind, thoughtful, considerate husband. Witness the scene that is taking place in the Riley kitchen right now. Riley is reading the evening paper. 
Mrs. Riley is doing the supper dishes. And as she bends over the sink... Oh! Peg, what's the matter? Ah, uh, nothing. Well, don't say nothing. I, I heard you. No, it, it's nothing, Riley. Well, why are you holding your back like that? Uh, have you got a pain, honey? No, it, it's going away. It always does. You mean you've had this pain before? Well, I, I get it sometime when I bend over the sink. It's really nothing. I'll read your paper, forget it. No, I, I will not. What kind of a husband do you take me for? You expect me to just sit here reading while you're bending over that pile of dishes in agony? <laughs> no, I'm going to put a stop to that. I'm taking you to the doctor as soon as you finish those dishes. I don't need a doctor. I'm all right. Well, we'll let the doctor decide that. It's just a waste of $5 to go to a doctor for this. He'll just tell me to apply a heating pad. Yeah, don't be such a pessimist. Maybe he'll tell you you need an operation. <laughs> so, Riley, I'm not going to a doctor, and that's all there is to it. Well, you're scared. I'm not scared. Don't be silly. Well, Peg, I'm surprised at you. You're acting like a child. Well, what's there to be scared of? Today, modern surgery can perform miracles. I know that. Well, I was reading a magazine about an operation. It was just marvelous. A perfect piece of surgery. This patient had trouble with his ticker, see? So they cut open his chest, sawed through the ribs, lifted out the heart, and put it on a table. And they kept it ticking all the time while they worked on it. They drained out the red corpse suckles and pumped in the white corpse. <laughs> There's sort of a loop job. <laughs> then they put the heart back in, pushed the ribs together, and sewed up his chest. And the man lived? Well, no, but it was a perfect piece of surgery. <laughs> Mr. Riley, you can come in now. Oh, how is she, Doc? What did you find? Will she need an operation? Oh, no, it's nothing like that, Mr. Riley. Just a strained muscle. She'll be all right if she applies some heat. Oh, is that all? <laughs> you see, Peg, I told you there's nothing to be scared of. Well, thank you, Doctor. Goodbye. I'll see that she takes it easier for a few days. Don't let her exert herself. No laundry, no vacuuming the rugs, no heavy housework. Oh, yeah, sure thing, Doc. My little wife needs rest. She's going to get it. The kids will do the work. Fine. Well, so long, Doc. Oh, uh, just a minute, Riley. Come over here. Me? Yes, I want to have a look at you. Oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I want to look at your eyes. They're brown. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, but I can see perfect, Doc. Now open your mouth. Yeah, but, Doc... Wider. I... Say, ah. Ah, that's what I thought. Those tonsils will have to come out right away, too. You you mean an operation? There was a peg. He's after me. Ah, Riley, what's the matter? Well, he's got a batch of tonsils there. The sooner they come out, the better. Oh, really? Oh, no, you ain't going to operate on me. Nobody's going to cut me up. No, I don't believe in operations. No. Nonsense. Now, you'll be at the hospital day after tomorrow at 9 o'clock. No, I won't go. You can't make me. I, I don't need no operation. I won't go. Now, the peg, you tell him. Uh... He'll be there, doctor. No, no. This is a frame-up. I won't go. But, Riley, dear, I'm surprised at you. Why, you're acting like a child. I don't want no operation. <laughs> What's there to be scared of? Today, modern surgery can perform miracles. Why, of course. An adult isn't really an operation. 
Why, I've done so many, I could take your tonsils out blindfolded. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, if you want to get paid, you better peek. <laughs> There, Gillis. Oh, hi, Riley. Uh, how's the ankle, Gillis? Eh, yeah, coming along okay. Still swollen with a swelling. Uh, sit down on the steps here. Here, here give me your crutches. Thanks. Uh, how long do you still have to use these crutches? Oh, about another week. A week, huh? Yeah? That'll make three weeks you're laid up with that ankle. Well, that's tough. What's tough about it? No weight, take it easy, sleep as late as they want, family waits on me hand and feet, and I get paid every week from the company hospital plan. Yeah? Ooh, I, I never looked at it like that. Hey, you're, you're lucky, all right. I gotta have my tonsils out, but I'll be back at work after one day. Imagine, I've been chunking in good dough to company plan every week just as long as you. And for once, I'm lucky enough to need an operation. Turns out to be tonsils. Why couldn't I get something that would lay me up at least a month? Sir? Ah, cheer up. <clears throat> Come on. I'll buy you a bottle of Pat's Blue Rip. Oh, okay. Hey, why, why couldn't I have dropped a rivet gun on my ankle like you did? Then I'd be going around on crutches, too, and... Gillis! Your crutches. You're walking without crutches. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I better run back and get them. <laughs> there might be a company spy around. Gillis, you can walk without them. You don't even limp. Okay, Riley, you caught me with my crutches down. <laughs> well, what's the idea? You can walk. Oh, sure. I was able to walk three days after the accident. I figured I'd drag it out a couple of weeks. Well, you sure fooled me. Your ankle looks so swollen. Yeah, well, that part's a nuisance. Whenever the swelling starts going down, I give it a little bang with the crutch to swell it up. <laughs> Some racket, huh? <laughs> I wish I had the guts to try a stunt like that. <laughs> well, why don't you? How are you going to bang your tonsils with a crutch? <laughs> don't tell them it's tonsils. Build it up. Say it's a serious operation. Lay up for a month. They'll never find out. Yeah, but give us that ain't honest. That's, that's like stealing. Mm, look who's talking. Ain't you the guy who showed me how to get a nickel back from a payphone by banging it? <laughs> Ain't you the guy who's always using old transfers on buses? And when you go to a restaurant, you order a steak, eat three quarters of it, then you start yelling to the waiter, it's no good, you make him bring you another one. <laughs> that ain't stealing. Well, yeah, but that's legitimate stealing. <laughs> As a citizen, I'm entitled to it. Until I get caught. Well, so is this legitimate. After all, whose money are you collecting anyway? Not the company's. Yours. Yeah, that's right. I've been paying for ten years and I never took advantage once. And I could have lots of times. During the war, there was plenty of times I was sick as a dog, but I went to work anyway. Even when I had temperature. And that time I had bronchitis. And when I had pleurisy. I never took a day off. Not once. Not even when I got my head caught in a cement mixer. <laughs> no, at that time I did take a half a day off While they fixed the cement mixer yeah. <laughs> I paid in enough dough I'm entitled to get some of it back I'm going to do it Out of four. Only, well, 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 suppose they find out Well, how can they? I'm the only one who knows what you're up to Yes, that's right And I can trust you, can I? Well, you know you can trust me What a question <laughs> In the first place, I'm your best friend We've been pals for 20 years Yeah and in the second place, if you squeal on me, I'll squeal on you. <laughs> Gillis, old pal, I know I can trust you to the limit. <laughs> uh, 
I see you, Minister Boss. If it's about that overtime pay, we owe you, you'll get the twenty-five. But, boss, I told you there's $50 coming to me. No, Riley, only 25 No, no, no boss, 50 Look, I'll show you. Eight hours. All right, day. all right. I won't quibble over a few dollars. You'll get your 50 oh, Thanks, boss. That 50 bucks will come in handy. Now that I'm going to the hospital. Well, that's fine. I hope... Hospital? But, yeah. That's what I really came to see you about. I... I need an operation. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, Riley. Nothing serious, I hope. Well, kind of. My ticker. Your heart? Yeah. Something with the red corpsuckle. Well, Riley, I, I didn't know they operated for a heart condition. But uh, it's a new kind of operation. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. I think I read about that in the magazine. A marvelous operation. They practically took the heart out and then put it back in again. Miraculous. Of course, the patient didn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry, Riley. You'll come through. Yeah, I'll be laid up for around three weeks. Oh, don't worry about that. Take all the time you want. Main thing is to get well and strong again. And remember, when you come back here, your job is waiting for you. Oh, thanks, boss. Uh, when is the operation? That's tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. Well, good luck, Riley. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I just want to say that I can't say it. I got a great big lump in my throat. Yeah. Yeah, I know how you feel, boss. I got two big lumps in my throat. Oh, my, this is a nice, bright room you got, dear. You know, some hospital well, well, room... What time is it, Peggy? Well, almost nine, dear. Already? What's the matter, dear? You nervous? Me? Nervous? Well, why should I be nervous? It's only a tonsil operation. There's nothing to be scared of. Well, who's scared? I ain't the least bit scared. I'm no coward. Well, then stop chewing your gown. Uh, uh. All right, Mr. Riley, on the stretcher, we're ready for you. No! No, I ain't going. Let me go. I don't want an operation. I want to go home. Oh, Riley, stop that. Now, don't be silly. I'm scared. Why, a minute ago, you said you weren't a coward. Yeah, sure I said it. I'm not only a coward, I'm a liar, too. <laughs> now, come on, Mr. Riley. The doctor's waiting in surgery on the stretcher. No. Oh, come uh -huh. on, Riley. Fight nothing. Zip, zip, and it's all over. Yeah, well, zip, zip, you get on a stretcher. <laughs> Mr. Riley, if you don't get on the stretcher, okay, I'll just... Okay, okay. I'll go quietly. I know what I'm like. Peg, kiss me. Good luck. Good luck, dear. Now you, nurse. Riley. <laughs> uh, uh, excuse me. I, I'm so scared I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Goodbye, Peg. And remember, I always loved you. Pay the bill, Peg? It's all settled. How do you feel, Riley? Ah, well, it hurts a little when I swallow, but I feel great. Oh, that's good. Hard to believe that only a couple of hours ago, I was under the knife. I told you it was nothing. <laughs> you told me. Well, all right, Mr. Riley, you're discharged. You can go home now. Ah, that's well. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go, Peg. 
Mr. Riley. Well, come on, Ted. Why hang around here? Let's go home. Come on. Uh, Mr. Riley, uh, don't you think you'd better get out of that nightgown first and put your pants on? Oh. Oh, Uh, Well, just for being fresh, nurse, I ain't changing my will. I was going to leave this hospital my brain, but now I'm not. (laughs) Well, you hold on to it, dear. You'll never know when you'll need it. Anything wrong, Mr. Stevenson? You look worried. I am, Billy. I'm worried about Riley. That's a serious operation. Poor devil. What time is it? Twelve o'clock. I should have some news by now. Get me to the hospital. Yes, sir. It's an awful thing to go through. And I, I didn't realize he was a sick man. Looked picture of hell. Here you are. Hello? Blueview Hospital. Now, I'd like some information about a patient, Riley, Chester Riley. Uh, one moment, please. I'll check. Thank you. Millie, uh, don't forget to send Riley flowers. Hello? Yes, yes. How is Riley? Mr. Riley's gone. <laughs> Gone. But but he was just operated on this morning. Well, it was all over very quickly. <laughs> Gone. What's the matter, Mr. Stevenson? Never mind the flowers, Millie. Riley's dead. <gasps> oh. Now back to The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley with Paula Winslow and John Brown. Just a few minutes ago, Mr. Stevenson, Riley's boss, dialed the number of the Blueview Hospital, listened to the terse words from the nurse at the other end of the line, turned pale, and as the receiver fell from his limp grasp, he was heard to exclaim in a voice choked with emotion, Poor Riley, he's dead. Ah, but little does Mr. Stevenson know that at this very moment, Riley is very much alive. Reclining comfortably in his bed at home, he's living the life of Riley at the company's expense. Ah, this is the life, Peg, lying in bed, nothing to do but read and eat, sleep late in the morning, no time clock to punch. (laughs) Three weeks of this and I'll never want to go back to work. (laughs) Three weeks? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't tell you, did I? <laughs> <laughs> You'll be well enough to go back to work tomorrow. Nah, I'm going to stretch it to three weeks, a month maybe, maybe even a fortnight. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. You won't get paid. Ah, you're forgetting about the company's sick benefit plan. <laughs> Mr. Stevenson won't give you three weeks' pay for tonsils. <laughs> Who's got tonsils? <laughs> I told him I'm having a heart operation. <laughs> what? Oh, Riley, how could you tell such a lie? Ah, it's such a lie. After all, my heart's only a few inches from my tonsils. <laughs> Riley, you, you can't do this. I, I won't let you. Why not? Stevenson fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Don't worry, he says to me. Stay home as long as you want. The main thing is to get well. And there'll always be your job waiting for you. Oh, what a chump. <laughs> How did he ever get to be the head of a big company? I got more brains than my tonsils. <laughs> Finally. I... Oh, you can't be serious about this. It, 
It's dishonest. Oh, look who's talking about honesty. Oh. Why, I never uh, did a dishonest thing in my life. No? I've seen the way you buy strawberries in the market. <laughs> you take all the big strawberries from the top layer of all the other boxes and fill up a box of your own. Uh, <laughs> I, I do not. Yeah, well, you get me to do it. Uh, now, what about the time we went to that banquet? You bought a dress at the May Company, wore it to the banquet, and the next day you returned it and got your money back. Uh. Well, it, it, it didn't fit. It, it was too tight. Yeah, well, who told you to eat so much at the banquet? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about tonsils. Now, look, Riley, I won't let you do this. Now, Peg, my head is made up. I won't let you, do you hear? I won't now, let please, you. please, please. Don't get me excited. Remember my heart condition. Oh, I mean, uh, uh, You're uh, going to phone Mr. Stevenson and tell him you didn't have an operation. Tell him it was postponed. I will not. Then I will. Oh, you wouldn't dare. Oh, wouldn't I? Just watch me. No, wait, wait, no, no, Peg, wait, no. Wait, wait a minute, okay. Okay, you win. I'll tell him when I go to work tomorrow. Well, now that's more like it. And the next time you try to pull no, a stunt like right, that, that's you're... enough, Peg. Oh, somebody at the door. Now shut my door on the way out, will you, Peggy? Want to take a little nap? All right, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yes? Oh, it's you. Yes, it is I indeed. Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> my goodness, Mr. O'Dell. You rang that bell loud enough to wake the dead. Believe me, I'd be the last person who'd want to do that. <laughs> May I come in? Certainly. My dear Mrs. Riley, I heard the sad news about your spouse this morning. I expected you to tell me. Please accept my demon sympathy. Oh, don't be so grim, Mr. O'Donnell. Ah, you're a brave little woman. Tell me, did he suffer much? Oh, no. It was all over in a minute. Bully for him. He's much better off this way. That's what I keep telling them down at the office. <laughs> It had to happen sooner or later. The sooner the better. Oh, if only everybody had that attitude. May I see him now? Of course. In the bedroom. What's the matter? Twenty-five years in the business. This is the first time I've ever heard one of them snore. <laughs> Is he snoring? Well, wake him up. Who, me? <laughs> He's walking. Now I've seen everything. Well, what's the matter with you, Digger? You look as if you've seen a ghost. I have. Who, me? <laughs> Riley, a ghost? Believe me, Digger, I'm very much alive. <laughs> it's no laughing matter. The whole neighborhood is in mourning. Oh, you're kidding. Out of respect for you, the pool room has closed its doors for the rest of the day. <laughs> Why, this is fantastic. How did such a rumor start? Why, I, I don't believe it. I assure you it's true. I passed Riley's plant a little while ago. The flag is at half mass. The men congregated in little groups, spoke of nothing else. Heart condition, they said. Heart condition? Chester Riley, you and your ideas. I knew something like this would happen. 
Oh, I, I've told you time and time again. Why can't you act like a normal human being? Hello? Hello, Mrs. Riley. This is Carl Stevenson. Oh, Mr. Stevenson. I've heard the sad news. <laughs> I'm in the neighborhood with some of dear Chester's friends. We'd like to drop in and pay our last respects to a fine soul whose departure has saddened us all. But, Mr. Stevenson... Don't try you... to talk. I know how you feel, but you must be brave. <laughs> we'll be right over. Well, uh, Mr. Stevenson, hello. Uh, hello? Well, that was Mr. Stevenson. He's coming right over to pay his respects to your widow. <laughs> How are you going to get out of that one, Peg? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm really dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Last this one off. What'll I do? What'll I do? Peg, when he gets here, you, you tell him that I... That, that tell you, him what? Well, tell him that you... Well, you'll think of something. Tell him I... Oh, I, 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 no, no, not me. Because I'm not going to be here. Yeah, but Peg... Uh, you got yourself into this. Now you get yourself out. You're not going to pass the buck to me. I'm going to lock myself in Babs's room and stay here. Well, Peg, wait. Peg, a fine wife I got. Digger, what'll I do? If Stevenson finds out I lied, I'll lose my job. How did this story about my being dead get started anyway? I... Oh, Kim. What'll I do, Digger? Oh, I wish. I wish. That's it. That's it. I'll play dead for a few minutes, and then he'll go away, and I'm safe. Riley, you can't get away with that. Well, playing dead's my only chance. If he finds out I'm alive, he'll kill me. <laughs> Come on. Come on in the bedroom. But, my dear man, playing dead, it, it's unethical. It's, it's... Well, don't argue, Digger. It's my funeral. In that case, lie down. <laughs> okay. Close your eyes. Yeah. Hold your hand. Yeah, what else? Now, if you could only stop... No, I guess not. <laughs> let him in, but don't let him get too close to me. I had onions for lunch. <laughs> right here. Come in, gentlemen. I'm Carl Stevenson. I'm Digby O'Dell. Oh, yes. Oh, of course, I've seen your advertisements on the bus benches. <laughs> These are Chester's friends. Mr. Durkin, Mr. Shapiro. Yes, we've met. How do you do, gentlemen? Hello, Mr. Is Mrs. Riley... Oh, uh, she's indisposed at the moment. I understand. Must have been a terrible shock. Hmm. May we see him? This way, gentlemen. If you'll just stand here in the doorway. There he is. Poor Riley. He was a fine chap. Gee, he looks so natural. You did a good job, Digger. <laughs> Thank you. My card, gentlemen. <laughs> Hard to believe Riley's gone. Yeah. Only yesterday we was playing pinochle. And now, poor Riley. At least he went fast. You have no idea how fast. <laughs> Mr. O'Dell, 
There'll be expenses, and I know Riley wasn't kind, saved much, so send the bill to me. And uh, there was some overtime pay that was due him. I brought it here. It amounted to uh, $25. (laughs) What's wrong? I could have sworn I just saw Riley twitch. (laughs) As I was saying, the overtime came to $50. (laughs) Now, gentlemen, perhaps you'd better be shoveling off. Yes, yes, of course. I extend my condolences to Mrs. Riley and... If there's anything I can do, you, you'll let me know. Yes, of course. Good day, gentlemen. Bye. All right, Riley. You can get up now. Yeah, we, we put it over. We fooled him. We got away with it. He really thought I was dead. Oh, oh Riley. Hey, we got nothing to worry about. Oh, you told him. No, I played dead. <laughs> <laughs> you what? I had to. <laughs> oh, boy, what a guy won't go through to hold a job. <laughs> you idiot. If you're dead, how can you hold your job? (laughs) What a revolting development this is. (laughs) Peg, is that you? Yes, it's me. Well, did you see Stevenson? I saw him. Well, what did he say? wife to beg for his job back. Well, what did he say? Was he surprised to hear that I wasn't dead? Surprised, but not overjoyed. Yeah, well, is it okay? Do I get my job back? Yes. Lucky for you, he blamed that nurse at the hospital. Oh, then I can go back to work tomorrow, huh? No, the day after tomorrow. Well, why not tomorrow? Tomorrow, he wants you to see his psychiatrist. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Riley, you've got to see a psychiatrist, huh? Yeah, well, what's he going to do to me, Harry? Well, he'll have you lie down on his couch, and when you're nice and comfortable, he'll ask you questions. Questions? Sure. He'll probably say, Mr. Riley, what'll you have? Oh, 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 I ain't nuts, Doc. The only answer to that is Pat Blue Ribbon. Finest beer served anywhere. What'll you have? Pap's Blue Ribbon. Pap's Blue Ribbon invites you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. Tonight, just a few hours from now, Pap's Blue Ribbon brings you direct from San Francisco another exclusive Pap's Blue Ribbon event in sports. The ten-round heavyweight fight between former world heavyweight champion Joe Lewis and San Francisco's own Andy Walker. The whole world is waiting for the outcome of tonight's fight as Joe Lewis guns for his fourth comeback victory. See your newspaper right now for time and station in your city for the big fight tonight. Harry Von Zell speaking. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by Martin and Lewis. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.